Hello and welcome to this week's episode from the Veg Grower Podcast. My name is Richard and I'm trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and garden. Now today is Saturday the 19th of February 2022 and yes I'm sure you've all heard there was a storm and I'm sure that everybody it has affected their gardening. So um I'm going to start a few days ago. We had two storms coming this week, and the one storm Eunice that hit us on Friday was particularly bad. But because of weather reports, we were actually able to sort of prepare ourselves quite well. We we got ourselves battened down, as we call it, packed stuff away, tidied things up, and and just did our best to make sure we were good for this this storm. Now, Friday came and 100 mile hour storms. I'm on the south coast and I'm not far from the sea. So you can imagine we, we got quite a battering. We were pretty warned that is one of the worst areas to get this bad weather. So uh wasn't sure what to make of it. Now, my wife was at working from home while I was at work and she rang me during the day telling me all the various things that she could see. She, Where she works, she overlooks our back garden. She could see things that were going wrong. She went out and rescued our compost bin because that had decided to fly around. Now, when I got home from work last night, checked the back garden and then we decided to take Roxy on a walk down to the allotment. By this point, the weather had calmed down quite nicely, so we figured it was the best time to go down to the allotment and just check on everything. As you probably are well aware, I have my granddad's greenhouse on my allotment, and it's it's very sentimental. It's a very old greenhouse, but it's very sentimental to me. And my wife just said, we need to go and check on it, because otherwise you won't sleep because you're stressing about it. And she's probably right. But we went down to there to see what damage had happened and well I'm pleased to say there are a few panes of glasses broken on the greenhouse but apart from that we got away with it we did not get much damage at all a few things are blown around but overall in pretty good condition on the allotment of course this was on torchlight so we're going to go down there tomorrow well, I'm going to go down there tomorrow and just investigate everything and make sure that everything is okay. Now that brings us on to today. Knowing we had this this storm and that we had damage in the garden, I got up this morning with a view to let's tackle this. Another bad weather was coming in in the afternoon, so we had the morning in order to, to get ready to go. We had a lot of debris that blown around the garden. We've cleared most of that up as best as we can. Uh, my, my fence between us and my neighbour, uh, actually it's my neighbour's fence to be honest, but it's between us and the neighbour, two of those panels had been blown down and broken. We replaced our fence a few years back and that stood no damage at all on our fence. So what damage did we get? First of all, a quail cage that literally blew into little pieces it, it collapsed under the, the stormy weather fortunately there was no quails in that one it was an empty crate empty cage so that's not too bad i wasn't sure what to do with it that cage i was going to turn it into kennel for roxy didn't need to do that the veggie pods now the roof the mesh on that had collapsed only one piece and when I looked into it it's like a little plastic tea piece that the poles slot into that had broken 
I contacted VeggiePod today and they're sending me out replacements, which very fantastic customer service. I've got to say with VeggiePod, as I've said time and time again, that was pretty good. My greenhouse, the, the one at home, this is. The roof vent, just like a window that opens and closes, that got lifted up and flew off. I thought we had lost it and um, was trying to find a where I can get a replacement for it. Luckily, I found the the panel that had blown off and that fitted back into place quite nice and easily. Nothing broken at all. It just clipped everything back in and slid it in where it needed to go and it is sorted. This greenhouse at home is actually made from like a plastic and we've never lost a single panel from it because it is made from plastic. And that's really quite something that I, I, I think I need to think about as well. It's quite quite interesting that. What other damage did we get? Well, there's one other thing. I've got a shed in my garden, which is uh, quite a big... It's 12 foot long by 6 foot. It's, it's my workshop. 12 foot by 8 foot, sorry. It's quite a big shed. It was originally from a railway shed. And you can tell that by when you look at it. And it's my workshop. It's where I keep a lot of tools and work on a lot of my tools. The One of the windows, it's got three windows on it. One of the windows, the wood was rotten anyway. And I, I hadn't really got around to looking at replacing it. Unfortunately, the wind got hold of that rotten piece and snapped it in half, smashing the glass inside. And that, I'm afraid to say is unrepairable so i've boarded it up for the time being it's all i could do with that shed now because that was the morning taken up repairing all these sort of things i've got to say i think we got away with it quite nicely uh, i probably would have panicked had i not been down to the allotment i'll go down there tomorrow and see what has, what we can do down there but i think we've got away quite luckily if anybody has suffered any storm damage then please do let me know that is what I've been up to today. Now, the other day I popped to a friend of mine and he's been growing mushrooms. And as many of you will know, I've had a bit of an interest in growing mushrooms. People who have listened to this podcast for a while will know there's one thing that I've wanted to grow and feel that we could grow at home, but I'm unable to do. And that is mushrooms. And that's purely because I have a mushroom allergy, so I've steered clear from growing them. Last year, we spoke to a manufacturer of mushroom growing kits and learned quite a bit about it. But this year, one of my very good friends, somebody who's been on the podcast before, Mr. Richard Vobes, aka The Bald Explorer, has been growing mushrooms. I have. You have. How have they been? Oh, it's so easy, I have to say, firstly, you know, it's, there's no skill from my end, but the mushrooms are delicious. And now I know you can't eat mushrooms, but uh, they have been. I had shiitake, is that the right pronunciation? Yes, as far as I'm aware. And uh, the difficult one to pronounce, chestnut. <laughs> chestnut mushrooms. They are my favourite because they seem to be more flavoursome, but so easy. Now, when you say so easy, how... I guess let's start from the beginning. Mm. How did they arrive to you? What were they like? So the kit turns up, and, and in this case, I had two of them. So I had the shiitake and then the um, chestnuts. They arrived in a box which said open immediately, which was interesting. Now, I assume that's just in case you're going away for a week and you think you know what it is and you'll deal with it later. 
presumably it's because these things need watering quite quickly. So these were from an outfit called uh, Merry Hill Mushrooms. Yeah. And they come beautifully presented with very simple, easy to understand instructions. There are something like six simple steps, as I recall, of which you, you know, step one is take them out the out the take the outer wrapping off and and things like that uh lift up the internal polythene in the bag to create a little environment for them uh, i suppose like a mini greenhouse in effect and then you spray water um on a on a sprayer now i i didn't have a because i'm not a proper gardener or anything so i didn't have a proper sprayer but i had one of those um things that you spray the windows with so yeah. i used that and you spray them twice a day, put them into um, a semi-darkened room uh, and not too warm. When you say spray them twice a day, are we talking a substrate or, or wooden logs? or? Yeah, so the, the shiitakes came as this white and brown, I think it, they call it a log, but it's like a clay substance. It's uh-huh. like a big clump of earth yeah. or clay um, about... I don't know, it's it's about 10 inches square or cubed. And the uh, the other one is just what looks like empty compost. And you have, which I assume that's where the spores of the mushrooms are in, and you tip the earth. There's a separate one of just a little surface compost, not very much, about three inches that you tip onto the top, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, you, the idea is you're not trying to soak them you're just moistening them yeah. to replicate nature, I suppose, mm-hmm. morning dew and, and what have you. So you give them a couple of squirts um, just on the top and, and also around the plastic just to hold moisture. So it's got that moist atmosphere. Yeah. And then you leave them when you do that twice a day. And the kits say um, that it usually takes about a week. And the shiitakes... Oh my goodness, you know, within a day you started to see out of this brown and white log substance the the uh, mushrooms, these little nodules poking through and then they grow up and then suddenly they're there. <laughs> Loads of them, hundreds of them. Um, the chestnuts were slower. They took probably two weeks. And you could see them popping up. But then once they popped up, they grew within two or three days. They were ready. And um, the shiitakes, the advice was that you take the whole crop, which meant I had hundreds of these blooming things. And um, so I was cooking them. But then I, I, I had a friend round and I said, do you like mushrooms? And he said, yes. I said, yeah. Because I know I'm going to get another crop and I've got to deal with that. So you do get quite a lot. The The chestnuts were, were less of them and more manageable. You just take them as you as you want them. Right. And as you, you cut them with the knife and bring them out. And they're just like you get in the shops. Nice brown um, dome-shaped mushrooms. Beautiful and delicious. Oh, nice, nice. How many meals do you think the mushrooms you produced made? So I've been having um, the mushrooms in omelettes, in stews. Um, I've had them with salads because they're lovely raw. And 
I, some people said because I'd run a YouTube channel and I'd shown me harvesting them, comments had come in that you can dry the shiitakes yeah. and um, you so that you could then store them and use them in soups and various things like that. Uh, I hadn't done that because I'd given them away. I'm still waiting for the second crop. I don't know how long that, that is from having extracted every one as instructed and now you're probably waiting for that process to, to go on again. The chestnuts just seem to be pop, pop, popping over um, a few days and there's suddenly a few more. Uh, so it's difficult to answer how many exact meals, but I'm on my own, so it's, yeah. it's just me. So uh, you, I think you, if you've got a family, you know, you'd eat them up quicker. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so then perhaps if you're not eating them every day, mm. but if you've got a kit and they start going ballistic yeah. <laughs> you've got to think what do i do with these things yeah yeah i mean that's why i wondered how many meals you were getting to work out if it's worth growing them because they obviously take up very small space it sounds like they can yeah. be grown indoors but you grow them indoors yeah in your back room yeah but is that space going to be productive for actually making meals i think it's it's yeah absolutely because they're so tiny and uh-huh. you really don't have to think about them too much it's more how much do they cost to how much do you get? Because, yeah. you know, there's the fun of of setting them off, which is 10, 15 minutes. You take them out of the packaging, do the thing that you need to do, and then, then you leave them. But then, then they're pretty boring because you don't see them. You see them each day and you can see they're growing. Um, and I think the, the shiitakes were about £15, and I think the... Um, chestnuts for about 12 quid so if you were trying to equate how many mushrooms would you get for that money if you were spending it over a period of time I don't know yet because I've only had these about three three four weeks mm-hmm. perhaps so I'm hoping that it it is more cost effective than buying them but of course they're fresh yeah you know that's the other difference I mean I don't know what's in in the compost and stuff so i've got no control over that i don't know how organic it is or whether there's any chemicals that they put in because all i put on is water yeah but i can tell you that it's it is very pleasurable snipping one off or you know one or two and bungling them in the salad and cutting them and because they're just delicious yeah sure and, sure and they're fresh and they haven't had they've done no air miles sure I know last time we had you on, you were talking, I think it was last time anyway, talking about the book you read about owning your own land and mm. trying to produce food on a, a large scale, shall we say. Yeah. Has this sort of mushroom opened up more possibilities for you in that aspect? Yes, I'm opening a mushroom farm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I think it, it's, um, it's encouraging me very much so to want to be part of that because it is it is uh, it is great fun uh and it's very satisfying even though i've had so little control over the mushrooms in uh, other than watering them nurturing these little things in fact the other day i i um i had some, somebody sent me some butter beans and um these were just these dried butter beans they came from china of all places mm-hmm. And you, you know, you do a normal thing with pulses and things. You soak them and then boil them up and then put them in in food. So they've just dried ones. But as a bit of a joke, really, or an experiment, 
um, I had some pots with rosemary in that I'd been trying to get growing. So I shoved a few in those pots. Well, one little stem came out. And that was really exciting for me, seeing this thing that I had planted from, from you know, just as a bit of a thing. And then there's this little little seedling coming out with the two little um, leaves, whatever the early leaves are called. Seed leaves, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I knew you'd know. Um, <laughs> and suddenly you do feel like that's my little baby. Whereas because the mushrooms, I didn't have to do anything. It was fun. Um, but I had no, you know, they came in a box. It was all mm. kit form, nice and easy. But just mm. looking at this this thing I'd started off. So, yeah, so I take him forever to answer your question. It has, <laughs> It is encouraging, but um, I would, yeah. But then, you know, my plans for land are a bit more expansive than just owning an allotment and not um, denigrating having an allotment. But I want, because I make my own videos, I've got plans for what I want to do with the land. It's... It's yeah, it's yeah. more than yeah. just growing, but yes. If anyone's got some spare land and would like to donate <laughs> it, you're very welcome. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I think the thing that I really wanted to find out about this mushrooms, as I said time mm. and time again, something I cannot grow. But I know that they are quite productive. Not much work, and this has become apparent from what you've said today. Uh, and I think fun for kids. Yeah, you know for. Or people who haven't got allotments or haven't got gardens. It's yeah. it's fun because you can have them in the house and you don't have to do very much, but it, it introduces you to growing. Yeah. So yeah. I think from that point of view, it, it, it's no, there's no hard work. No. And it's all reward. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, again, one of your problems in this house is it's very dark because of the way it faces and yeah. everything around it. And I know mushrooms grow better in the dark. So. Absolutely. So I may, as I said, you know, a mushroom farm or a fungi <laughs> factory. Fungi factory. Yeah. Uh, is probably the best for this. Yeah, I mean, if you look too carefully, you might find fungi already <laughs> in there that <laughs> I don't know about. If My anybody pleasure. wants to check out your YouTube channel, it's the... It's Bald Explorer. Just put Bald Explorer into YouTube and a billion videos will come up. Including the mushroom growing videos. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And with that, let's get back to finding out what I've been up to throughout this week. Well, I hope revealing just how easy it is to grow mushrooms has given you guys a bit of an idea and a bit of inspiration to give it a go yourself. If you do give it a go, then please do let me know how you get on and send us some pictures. I really will be fascinated to know because it's something I cannot do. Now today is Sunday the 20th of February 2022. I've came down to the allotment early this morning because Storm Franklin is rolling in a little bit later. Now as I said yesterday we came down here Friday night just to check on the damage and today has been a bit of a bit of a tidy up clearing up some of the pots and the debris that has blown around and particularly the glass from this broken greenhouse. Now I've counted six panels that need replacing now so it's not too bad I've got six panels actually in the shed but what I've got to be careful of I could go and replace the panels right now but at least one of the panels I need cut into shape and I don't have a glass cutter with me today so that's something I'm going to have to do another day 
Now, you might be wondering why I'm not just changing all the panels except for the one that needs cutting. Here's the thing. If you've got one panel of glass loose or missing, when strong winds blow, it creates a, a pressure difference that can cause a greenhouse to implode or all the glass to shatter but go inside. So sometimes it's best to allow the air pressure to equalise. I, there is a term for it, and I can't remember what it's called. Um, it's very, very scientific, but it is certainly possible. If the wind blows in the right direction, it creates a vacuum inside the greenhouse and causes the greenhouse glass to shatter in. I've seen it, photos of people's greenhouses that it's happened to, and it is quite a, a scary thing to see. Now, apart from, obviously, these glass panels and clearing this glass and clearing the debris, all I've really done today is harvest some leeks. I think the storm that is going to be rolling in, I've not really dedicated much time to the allotment again this week. And, you know, I think it's probably for the best. The allotment's always going to be here. Just the bad weather is going to pass. So we'll move on. We'll move on. Now, later on this evening... I am going to be holding a live show where we're talking about drinks that people make from their homegrown produce. And what I'm going to do now is just share with you a few recipes and ideas that I've picked up from this live show from the audience of what drinks they make from their homegrown produce. I often feel that us grow your owners forget about making drinks from our homegrown produce. Apart from that is wine and other alcoholic beverages. But I very, very rarely do drink any alcohol at all. I would I wouldn't call myself teetotal, but certainly a very rare drinker. And I feel this is a shame because I feel we're growing our own food. Why shouldn't we be growing our own drinks as well? And this is a question I was asking my live stream audience on Sunday night's live show. Now, the impression I got from many of my viewers is that they hadn't really thought about making drinks out of their homegrown produce either. So I had to go back to what I've made in the past and my recipes that I have on the veggrowpodcast.co.uk. Now, every year I do make an elderflower cordial. We're still drinking it now. It's a very, very easy drink to make with all the correct ingredients and it lasts a very long time. It is delicious. More importantly, or the best thing I like about it anyway, is the smell of summer. Now, I'm not going to go into how we make it today. You can check that out on the veggrowpodcast.co.uk and I'll link to it in the show notes. Another recipe you will find on the website is rhubarb cordial. Now that sounds a bit interesting, doesn't it? I I thought when I first tried making it. But again, it's something I try and make every year when we do find it very, very refreshing. As well as a great way of just using up rhubarb because we do get a lot of rhubarb. Now, mint lemonade is another recipe I have, which is something just a little bit different. It was a recipe that actually shared with me from a customer of mine who was making it fresh for their customers that very day. And they shared it with me. I took it home. I made it. And again, it was absolutely delicious. It uses mint, which we have a lot of. And it, it really is a talking point when you have summer parties or something. I know, summer parties is something we've not had for a while. 
for the live show, Digwell Green Fingers, who has a YouTube channel, actually sent me a video of a drink recipe that he calls V8 and Three Quarters. Now, his recipe is on YouTube. And again, I have linked to that if you want to find out more in the show notes. And this is basically an adaption of the V8 tomato juice, but he adds extra vegetables depending on what's available at the time. And from the looks of it, it sounded quite nice. And it's got me thinking that I'm going to try and make some of this V8 tomato juice a bit more when we get our tomatoes in. And I'm also going to dust out my juicer. I'm sure I've got one in my shed somewhere. We haven't used it for a while, but it's got me thinking of taking tomatoes and juicing those, beetroot and juicing those, just taking a wide range of different vegetables and seeing what we can get juice from and whether it's any good. It's a bit of an experimentation. A lot of these I'm going to make out of all the gluts because, you know, every year we get gluts of certain vegetables and if they juice, then fantastic. That's one way of using them up and we can, of course, freeze that juice to use later on in the year. Then I had smoothies. Now, I've drunk smoothies many times in the past, especially when I've been on a health kick. I have to admit, they did make me feel a lot better, but we didn't. I don't really stick with them for a long period of time. Not for any other reason, just that I get a little bit bored. But I found spinach worked quite nicely, as well as a lot of soft fruits. But again, this is something I'm looking at, trying to adapt and trying to change throughout this this coming year. Trying to use more of our homegrown goodness, homegrown vegetables, homegrown fruit in ways to help me feel better, use up my my vegetables as well. Now I have two books that over the years I have collected and referred back to. The first book is called Drink Your Own Garden by Judith Glover. And this book I have found to be a great source of just looking through when I'm looking for inspiration and looking for some recipes or something a little bit different. And best of all, it doesn't focus so much on alcoholic drinks. Then we had Home Brewing by Kevin Forbes. Now, as I said earlier, we don't really drink here. So this book is probably a bit too alcohol based for our liking. We did use it to make some parsnip wine and some other adaptions of wine, which I'm told were very, very strong. So if you do like your alcohol, parsnip wine and rhubarb wine was the two that I made from it. And I gave them away as Christmas presents and they were very, very, very popular with just how much alcohol was contained in them. I I can't comment on that. I did try a little sniffle of it, just a a little shot, but I'm not, like I say, I don't like the taste of alcohol. So it wasn't for me. Now, they're just two books. Again, I'm going to link to those in the show notes if you are interested in those. But they are two books I often refer back to when I'm looking for inspiration. But I'm also going to ask you, the listener, if you have any ideas of some drinks that we can make throughout this year from our homegrown vegetables to try and see what they taste like. And if you're looking to drink your own garden, then why not contact me and we can all share recipes amongst ourselves. Just a little idea that I have if if anybody is interested in joining me on this little bit of fun. Right, let's get back to the gardening. It is Monday the 21st of February 2022 today. You find me in the podding shed again now. Storm Franklin came and went last night. 
and no real damage I'm pleased to say. What I've done today, I haven't been down the allotment, I've finished work a bit late, so all I've managed to do today is just come out into this this podding shed and sow a few more seeds. So I've sown a few more tomatoes. Uh, this is a variety everyone has heard of um, called Moneymaker. A very popular tomato I know and not very imaginative. But I've also sown some cucumbers. Now I read a couple of weeks ago that Monty Don recommends sowing cucumbers and tomatoes throughout February, especially if you've got a greenhouse. And it's something I want to test out and just see if it's quite right. I, I've got to say I don't dismiss what he says and I don't think he's wrong. I have sown tomatoes and cucumbers in February. But normally I wait till March, April time for my outdoor tomatoes. So just a little bit of an experiment to see if there is any difference. Well, this wraps this podcast up for this week. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope it has been of any interest to you. If you're going to give mushrooms a go or you're going to make some drinks out of your homegrown produce, then please do let me know how you get on with those. If you have enjoyed this podcast and you want to support me, you can support me in a few ways. The easiest way is just to simply leave a review on your podcast app that you listen to podcasts. That really does go a long way in helping me get discovered and create a bigger audience. But also you can head to my website at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk where you can buy merchandise including mugs and t-shirts with our branded logo. But the ultimate way is to become a member of my supporters club. My supporters club is set up where you get extra podcasts and each month you get a collection of seeds sent to your door that can be sown in that month in order to help you grow more of your own food. Now I charge just £5 a month for that and all the details can be found at the veggrowerpodcast.co.uk. If you want to leave me a comment while on the veggrowerpodcast.co.uk, then please do go ahead. Or you can leave me a voicemail, which is always great as well. If you want to send me an email, it's richard at the veggrowerpodcast.co.uk. And of course, you can also find me on social media. Just search for the Veg Grower Podcast. We'll be back again next week. So until next time, please take care. <laughs>